There's a whole crowd of men out there who need this. Welcome to the case study. This case study will be marked down in time. Known to all as the record keeper of the historic rise of the woke man. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Actually, welcome, gentlemen. I don't know if any women will be listening to this, but quite frankly, I don't care. What I want is to see the change in man. Yes, that's hurt. The change in man. This is the Woke Man series, where you hear the stories of men who changed, who laid to rest their old ways of thinking, and who opened up and started expressing their truth, revealing emotion, Strengthening their self-awareness and breaking free from the old paradigm of being a man. This is going to help men find the courage to open up, to break the shackles of toxic masculinity, and to guide them home in becoming a better man. Let's go. Oh, by the way, it's Luca. Luca Reedy from the Feeling Alive podcast. And The Woke Man is a sub-series. You're welcome. Welcome back to another episode of The Woke Man series, ladies and gentlemen. The greatest case study on man. We've got a Bali super episode here between Umalas and Ubud. And I'm here with Luke Cohen. Thank you, brother, for joining me. Yeah, great, great to be here with everybody. Aloha. Aloha. Man, first question, the hardest one. Where did you grow up and where do you live right now? I grew up, uh, I was born in Manhattan and raised in both Brooklyn and Staten Island, New York. So New York City. Oh, and wow. I, present, I presently live in Ubud, Bali. Wow, man. What, what brought you to Bali? Um, I mean, I feel like Bali was a, a stopping point in a long chain, a long migration. So I got, I got the hit to leave New York City in 2012 which I did and um, moved to Ojai, California, which was oh, across awesome, the country. Man. So I did, I did the full jump and then from Ojai to Maui and then Maui to Bali over about a seven year period, maybe eight year period or something like that. Oh man. How good's Ojai? Ojai is a really special place. I, yeah. It's definitely one of the homes of my soul. I have a lot of really dear friends that still live there and yeah. it was definitely uh, a pivotal stopping point of home for, for my soul for a bit mm-hmm. beautiful yeah. beautiful man where yeah. were you are you here for a while in bali or are you going to go back to maui or <sighs> not going back to maui definitely feel complete with that island okay. very grateful for the healing <laughs> i received there <laughs> and uh some good yeah good tribe there i love hawaii in general i think those islands uh have a powerful magic um yeah, I'm going to be here for at least two years in Bali. Cool. Uh, it's, it's, that's how long my, my key test is, is for two years, and we'll, we'll see where life in the world is. You know, the world's changing pretty fast right now, so we'll, we'll have crazy, to see. Eh? Yeah. yeah, 2020, man. Wow, what a year. <laughs> <laughs> how, how old are you now, brother? Uh, my body's 36. Ah, the body's 36, so it was very much yeah. older, eh? <laughs> yeah, it feels that way. It's felt that way. <laughs> and 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 what yeah. do you what do you do for a living right now, brother? 
Yeah, um, so mostly my income has come in through uh, different kind of high-end clients and benefactors. Uh, I do a lot of private healing work and coaching work and consulting work. Awesome. And moving into a stage of my life where I'm, I'm stewarding big raises for projects that are having a global impact, impact level. So I get to be included in that, that process of, you know, uh, as I secure these investments, I receive something for them. And I'm stewarding these projects. I, I, I get to include myself with the salary. So. Oh, that's cool. And so w- what's the coaching that you're doing? Yeah, so... Um, I call it self self mastery mentorship. So, I have a big background in in many different areas, from holistic health to uh, core energetics therapy to like deep, you know, soul retrieval level work. So, the kind of coaching I do is integrative. It's about self mastery. It's about having a holistic experience of life in the sense that, you know, we can neglect one area of our lives as a, you know, we can be really thrive in business and you know make lots of money, but then neglect our health or our mm-hmm. relationship. Uh, things like that. So I, I try to help bring people into a very integrative space where they they have true uh, conscious choices within each area of their life, from their health to their sexuality to their money and their business to the creative process to their impact, all of it. So uh, to not get pigeonholed in any one you know pathway of, of service or fulfillment, but to really create that well-rounded, active uh, orientation of life. Wow, beautiful, man. And and you're also, so basically to sum up the other part is you're also securing funds for conscious projects. Yeah, specifically eco-villages and, oh. um, and platforms that are, that are wanting to feature more, you know, kind of, I'd say new culture. That's a, you know, if someone asked me recently, if you were to summarize your mission in, in like one sentence, one of the, I was like, wow, that's a, that's kind of hard to do, but I'll, I'll try. <laughs> and it's, it's here to, kind of help propagate a, 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 a new culture on the yeah. planet. So to me, culture is culture is the most powerful way that, that influences our value systems and then our value systems dictate our behavior. And so I'm here to help create a new culture on the planet that's more deeply connected to earth, mm-hmm. each other, and spirit. Kind of, you know, the Balinese have this epic word for this, a mm-hmm. philosophy called Trihita, Trihita Karana, which means to be, to be in uh, right relationship with um, with the all that is, and right relationship with the land around nature, you. And with the people. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Nature, people, and spirit. Oh. Wicked man, that's really cool. And what's what's one thing you're really good at, Luke? Uh, yeah, I mean, this is what this is the as a healer. I mean, that's what I dedicated my life to. I'm really, really good at taking people super deep uh sorry i keep getting a message from the food <laughs> delivery uh okay. on my whatsapp yeah so i'll have to message them or we can pause the recording for a second <laughs> you, you gotta you gotta uh, eat man you gotta eat i'll just quickly pause yeah. it so you, you're good at healing so talk to me talk is that is that one thing you're really good at yeah i mean that's definitely i mean i ha- i think my whole Your life gift? i've struggled to manage the amount of gifts I actually have because I have quite a few and it's, you know, there's all these different, you know, philosophies of, you know, you don't want to dig a bunch of holes and not a well and all these things. But the, what I dedicated myself to, which was essentially committing fully to my soul was I started to awaken many gifts of my soul through the many, you know, paths that I, that I have. And that's, you know, as an artist and a poet and that's in, as a healer and in many different ways and so how all those things fit together so i have a gift for bringing people together I've gathered lots of people that would have never been in the same room and bring them into the same room 
Mm. I have a gift with words. You know, I'm here to, I'm a wordsmith. I'm a poet. I'm a C. I can freestyle. I can sing. Wow. And so words are a vehicle for me as a thought leader. And then as a healer, it's, um, yeah, I just went into a lot of places that, that a lot of people, uh, kind of fight at all costs to go into, you know, like, and so as I've been guided by the people that helped me shift and resolve trauma, and I've gone to a lot of those really hard places, I can I, none of that stuff scares me. So when I sit with a client, I can go into the deepest wellspring of grief or shame or anything that they're holding in their lineage, mm. in their in their energy field, in their nervous system, and actually be able to hold a neutral space because I've gone through it myself. Mm. And I, so there isn't there isn't like a, I'm not trying to fix someone or, or steer them in a particular direction. I'm, I'm holding a pretty profound spa- spaciousness of for grace to do its work. So I'm not actually the one necessarily healing Space but holder. i'm accompanying yeah i'm accompanying them in in places where they haven't met themselves yet mm. because we've all been conditioned to to avoid certain pain and, and seek pleasure mm. in different ways that we survived our reality as human beings mm. and so that, that combination of those gifts um is what i'm excited about in this next chapter of my life because i'm learning how to use the words and some of the gifts of healing and start and this this desire to create new culture and do storytelling and do these these transmissions through spoken word and videos and really uh, offer some of those codes that I have as a healer, but for every, everyone because it's it's kind of hard to get access to me as a healer. Uh, you know, I, I I like creating free things for people everywhere yeah. and meeting people where they are. You know, I work with a I've always worked with a wide range of human beings. Like I'd be in a a Mexican hut, you know, with a, with a body, with Arika elder one day. And then in San Diego in a mansion, like literally three days later, like I bridge worlds. Mm. And so it's like, you know, I want to create stuff for everybody. I don't mm. want to be pigeonholed in by any means. Mm. I think that's the, the most important element of this new age is that we don't try and uh, leave out a certain category of uh, life, so to speak, and just live in our category. You know, it's like almost like, we can preach to the choir so much, but like, like you said, it's perhaps the people in mansions that need our medicine more or we're able to integrate that into so many different ways of living, I think is, would you agree is the, is the, is the new way? Yeah. I, I say that the new way is coming into connection with, with like, yeah, from, from the homies on the street corner to, you know, people in the mansions to the indigenous communities that are, that have been a bit separate from society. Like there's so many, they all have gifts and shadow for each other. Like every group has their gifts and then their shadow, you know? And so I've been trying to bridge, like specifically been trying to bridge the world of social entrepreneurship, uh, transformational festivals and kind of like the healing culture or new systems culture, which is Kind of focusing on like, all right, you know, I don't think the thing, the way things are going, are going to last. We need to start thinking about alternative currencies and you know, by bio, like bio resonance and you know, what kind of structures will we will we live in if you're not paying rent if money loses value? Like people that are thinking really progressively in the sense of like preparing for a very big shift in consciousness and how we live mm-hmm. in community and village and with each other. So mm. that intersection has been really interesting for me, you know, I'm yeah. trying, cause like the, when I bring, you know, bring some of my elders or native American healers that carry these, you know, ancient technologies of healing and ceremony, and you get a bunch of social entrepreneurs and they're doing their first sweat lodge, you know, and they're, and they're having these breakthroughs and insights. And then, but like, my uncle that drove three hours to get here from, from the reservation has maybe $10 in his bank account. And that guy's got, you know, 
$250,000 in his bank account. Mm -hmm. So how do we, how do we help each other like that? How do we actually have come into connection with people that we would never sit with, mm -hmm. look in their eyes and hear their story. And I think this is happening at a pretty powerful level right now in the collective, especially in my country with, all, with uh, black lives matters and all yeah. this, uh, you know, racial and social injustice, many people are being forced to actually come into connection with communities and other people that they haven't been in actual connection with in relationship with, because we've all been, I think when I say all of us, many human beings, we get thrown into these, these little echo chambers where we're only getting feedback from people that kind of validate our reality or validate our ego or validate our perspective on life. And we need actually to evolve as a species to be introduced to other cultures and introduced to other people, and other people's ideas to start to grow the soul. And this mm -hmm. is happening on a mass level right now. Yeah, man, I can definitely see that for sure. It's a beautiful way to beautiful perspective. Thanks for sharing, man. Well, of course. What's your what's your biggest fear right now? Ah, oh, that's a beautiful and honest question. Um, <laughs> my biggest fear is that the agendas that they are attempting to roll out, people won't see in time, mm. and that many people will choose a timeline or choose a path uh, that will be ultimately a, one of a bit more suffering than mm. one of more grace. Yeah. Yes, so my yes. biggest fear is that I can't, I can't, I can't help enough people. I can't, you know, I know it's not my job to save anyone, but like the impulse of answer would be like that. I can't save everyone mm. that I can't save a, a portion of people that I grew up with or my own, my own family or, mm. you know, whatever. Mm. That's my, that's my fear, if mm. you will. Something yeah. that I've been actively in, in conversation with really this last two weeks too, with everything happening. With what's happening, yeah. Sort of uh, trying to, I mean, yeah, I feel you on that. Like just trying to be there for the people that need you most, especially with your insight and stuff, but it can also be a burden, can't it? That, that overwhelming feeling. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I mean, for me, it's always, I'm always asking how can I serve, you know? Like, yeah the difference between the way that my personality might want to create something versus where my soul is moving me. Sometimes there's, we get to these choice points where it's like, Oh, wow. Like I thought I was, I wanted to do that. And actually life is saying to do this. And, you know, having that, that trying to find that negotiation between where I think I can serve and reach the most people, but what life is actually asking for me to hold in that moment and where that, where that service really wants to be in that moment. So that, that's a challenge to, to that's an art that's an art yeah yeah it's like ever evolving will always be evolving you know challenge yeah. to 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 listen to what spirit really wants versus what we project onto life from our yeah. from our personality <laughs> yeah for you brother for yeah you. what's one of your favorite quotes um i'm okay uh you said you know darkness cannot Drive out darkness, only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate, only love can do that. Most mm. definitely one of my favorite quotes. And oh, then the king, Osho yeah. is, Osho's quote, um, uh, yeah, freedom, freedom, true freedom is the greatest act, of, is the only act of rebellion, like freeing ourselves in consciousness. I forget the exact quote, but essentially it's like freeing ourselves in our own consciousness is the greatest act of rebellion. So like there's all these ideas of what rebelling against the system is and fighting and it's not what will actually create change. Yeah. Very third dimensional. So like he's talking about from a more of a Dr. Joe Dispenza, like do the work in the quantum field. And that's where like you create freedom there and that's going to ripple into, yeah. into the third dimensional, like everyday concrete material reality. Yeah, man. So when we, 
when we free ourselves on a level of consciousness, we're free. That's going to ripple out into all all areas of life. So that's the greatest act of rebellion. Yeah, I love that. Totally, quote. the ultimate yeah. the ultimate vengeance, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. Internally free. Yeah. I like that, bro. Uh, what's a conscious man to you, Luke? A conscious man to me is a man who is in charge of his choices. Ooh, fuck yes. And that's in your in 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 an, in a nutshell, radical self responsibility. Yeah, self responsibility is the awareness of the impact that your choices have, yeah. and the feedback that the universe gives you to continue to go into greater alignment around your choices. What What do you mean yeah. by the feedback the universe gives you? Meaning the the mirror of life, and so if 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 I'm getting feedback from my girlfriend from a close friend or like through situations and there's there's they're all pointing towards something that i'm not seeing or a blind spot uh, or something yeah. it's my job to receive that feedback from life and see oh okay like here's an area play. where my choice is having an impact on her okay. or my bro or my business you know and so i'm let me let me take that feedback in from yeah. so self-responsibility to me means the active willingness of consistently listening to the feedback of life yeah. and and making adjustments in, in, in alignment from that place. Yeah. So self-responsibility is, is not avoiding or bypassing. It's facing life directly and say like, okay, I'm, yeah. you know, what I choose, what I do has an impact and, and I need to be responsible for, for those choices. Mm-hmm. You know, freedom, freedom doesn't mean that you, you can, you can do whatever you want. Freedom doesn't, doesn't mean that it, the choices you have won't make impact. You can be very liberated in your consciousness, but still see the ripple that the choices that you have can have on people, mm. you know? And so it's, it's, uh, it's nuanced in that way. So yeah, a conscious man to me is definitely someone who is aware of and in charge of their choices. Yeah, beautiful, man. Yeah. And just, to, just for people listening now, just to touch on what you just said about listening to the feedback, how would one listen to feedback? Say that this is new to them. How would one listen yeah. to that feedback? Yeah, that feedback, you know, is, is um, it's being willing to, to let go of the need to be right. It's the willingness to allow in the tenderness of another human being that's, that's maybe been like affected by a choice. The feedback is the the willingness to grow and evolve, mm. knowing that we don't have it perfect and we're not perfect and we'll never really be perfect. And this idea of perfection's, you know, distorted. And that we, and the more that we're in, in an honesty with our own humanity and willingness to do better, we can actually receive that feedback. Mm. So I would say the first ingredient into having that conversation with the universe is is willingness. Are you willing to grow? Do you want to grow? Um, because the feedback's going to come. It's just whether you listen to it or not. So, mm. you know, that, that willingness is stage one. And then stage two is, is, is like, you know, um, I would say, yeah, there's a combination of the active intention of, of allowing those signs to be clear. Because sometimes for some people at certain stages, it can kind of come through cryptically or you have to get hit in the head yeah. with a two by four. And you're like, oh, that's the lesson. Like, thanks, ow. Like, you know, so (laughs) you want to, you know, the lessons can come a little bit more graceful after we get enough of the core initial lessons that usually have to jolt us out of our sleep and Mm. can be a two by four, can be a car or a semi-truck level lesson 
to get us to be like, oh my God, I was like, I was not awake in this area of my life or in general or whatever, you know? So I'd say at some point stage five or whatever is like, okay, universe, can you, can you send me the lesson without kicking my ass as hard? I'm, Cause I'm so willing to listen. I'm so yeah. willing to make adjustments. I'm so willing to change. Like I got enough two by fours. Yeah. Let's, let's, uh, Let's let's make it easier and, and a little more graceful, please. <laughs> yeah, totally, man. Yeah, you definitely yeah. can get hit by that resistance or like face that resistance constantly and you go, All right, well, why the fuck isn't it working? What am I what do yeah. I need to change? Yeah. Awesome, man. Yeah. What's one cool. thing that challenges you right now? Um My challenge points are how I can honor myself and sustain the level of freedom that I have while being in connection with, with my partner. So I think that like men, we value freedom Mm -hmm. uh, as a primary and women value connection as a primary. So I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm not always navigating my, like her need for free uh, for connection and my need for freedom Mm -hmm. and where those, where that dance is. So that's a beautiful challenge point is the, the level of intimacy I'm actually experiencing in my present relationship is like, more intimacy than I've ever experienced in my life. Mm. And um, that's pushing my edges for sure. And my other greatest challenge is being able to effectively manage all the things that I've, that I've committed to and shown up for. I'm the busiest that I've ever been in my life. I'm doing Mm. like two of these a day, seeing clients, you know, showing up for my album and my creative product. Like I have a lot on the plate and being able to do that in a way that's, that's, that doesn't, I don't lose self-connection or neglect my body. So so um, self-love is very important for you at this point self-love has and will always be important uh it's at a foundation foundational level is what allows me to actually be able to do everything if i wasn't in self-love i'd be i'd be i wouldn't be able to hold as much as i'm holding yeah yeah wow that's beautiful brother what's unconditional love mean to you I think there's a lot of ideals around what love looks like out there in the world, like very fluffy, light and lovey, like spiritual ideological versions of love. And I think to me, love and unconditional love is, is the meeting of what is not how we want things to be. It's very much grounded in, in a deep, deep relationship with reality itself. So unconditional love to me is, is being meeting life without needing to change it and, and, and actually learning to appreciate and be present enough for that your love from your soul can flow into what's there. Mm. What's actually there, not how you want things to be, but what's actually yeah. there. Yeah. yeah, that's, a, that's a, a beautiful perspective. It's been a, that was actually something that hasn't really been mentioned is just sort of like allowing life to flow and not mm. uh, wanting to change it basically. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's tricky because, uh, you know, we're co-creators and it's, you know, we want to shape our lives too. And, and, and if we, if we go fully with the river all the time, that's, you know, that's what we need to do for periods of time. And other times we need to, we might, we might need to paddle if we want to break through something and, and show up and effort a little bit. But it, mm-hmm. I think it's the balance of, of like a healthy masculine efforting and then a healthy feminine surrender that yeah. creates a nice inhale and exhale with life yeah. for sure. Yeah. 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 You know, just be a leaf in the wind. Just like I'm just going with the flow. Like Ubu is classic for that. You know, hey, what happened, man? We had a 2 p.m. call. Oh man, it wasn't my flow. But but you committed to like, (laughs) but you like committed to doing a 2 p.m. call with me. What the the heck, man? Nah, like spirit said, like I need to flow. Like that. Like the ungrounded. There's an ungrounded version of it, and there's like integrated version. Oh, dude, classic, classic. I totally feel that, man. 
Uh, one of my friends just left Abud too. He was there for five years, and um, I think at that point he just goes, "Okay, I've got to get shit done." <laughs> and he's like, "Like he's in real estate and business, and 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 uh, yeah, man, he's such a beautiful man." But he just sort of got out of it to realize to go, "Oh fuck, I can't see." And it is, it's that too much flowy. Uh, I was stuck in that too, and it is. It's, it's too much flow, and I see. I, I like your explanation of like masculine, feminine is like for people listening. Feminine's more go with the flow, sort of surrender. Masculine's more drive and action Ooh. and ambition. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's really cool for, to hear you say that. Is like you you find that it's a is an essential balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, love yeah, that, we man. need both. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I was a high high performer for a while, where I was just in my masculine constantly. Yeah. And it and it and it burned me out. So I had to learn that lesson to be able to help other high achievers mm. find balance and like go through my version of popping some of the identity around what being a high achiever meant for me at that point in my life. Yeah. So it's, well, you it's, grew it's up a, in it's a real you thing. grew up in New York, right? Like, dude, that, yeah, that's part of it. That's probably <laughs> that, you're probably just shaking off the conditioning of that upbringing, right? Uh, I mean, I still to this day am shaking off of that and the the impulse to rush to things. Mm. Like it's like I've definitely cleansed like a, the majority of it, but when I drive, yeah. like I still have this inherent like I got to get to where I'm going, and there's like this rushing like that New York go 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 energy still there. That's like one of the areas where I still have some conditioning from New York and certain words that I say like water and coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah right that, that might never go man <laughs> yeah no i'm just i'm just kidding but um yeah the the what was the question again no that was the just that was just a shake there's a comment i made shaking off the oh yeah the, the York, brooklyn yeah. masculine energy <laughs> totally um yeah. so the last question in this in this section and uh, obviously you can feel the answer to this already oh go jex here do you no, have, no, is, no. you good no, my, uh, bat- my battery is at 20, 20%. Okay, cool. Good. We got plenty. Cool. Um, do you believe in a greater power, and what is that to you? I do believe in a greater power. I think there are many greater powers, um, Mother Earth being one of them, mm-hmm. you know, nature. Yeah, man. But um, so all that is, you know, um, it's, it's tricky because I don't like using certain words anymore. Um, because there's so much dogma or so much yeah. ideologies around some of these words and people just need to go through their own experience and they have to have a felt felt experience in their body of what it feels like to be connected to the living stillness of the universe or the all pervading light or the creator or whatever. Like there's variations that, that these energies take in our, in our personal journey of awakening where they can show up and, some people have one and they think they're enlightened and then they get humbled and they have another awakening, which is more of a disillusionment process and is more of like the emptiness of non, non-being, like a no-self. And the other is like full, like self as God, yeah. self as Satchit Ananda, pure knowing, bliss, you know. So we're all of it. And for me, and we're also not none of it at the same time. It's, it's very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for me, the, yeah, the higher power... Yeah, love. I think love is the backdrop of of all that is. Mm. And I do feel that love is the greatest power, um, and that yeah, nature, nature, and our Mother Earth is is a, a very big force that 
think humanity is in the process of reconciling a relationship with yeah and also you know spirit whatever you want to call it that that which is that which is moving through all of life and all of us that connects us to all of creation Mm. that energy Mm, beautiful brother beautiful so we're going to get into the main section now we've got questions on your your personal journey the first one and this is what did your life look like as unwoke and what did it look like (laughs) how do you look at it now and and just a note on this too and i say this nearly in every one of them when i say unwoke it's not that it's a bad thing uh and and not that woke is a good thing it's this yeah. isn't a destination thing that I'm uh, that I want sure, people sure, to sure. try to connect to. It's it's just yeah. a journey that yeah. we're on, and it's clearly a journey because there's so many men now that are going through this transition. Totally, and, yeah. And so, I just wanted to throw that disclaimer out there because there there will be a lot of people that probably take a, a little bit of offence to this or feel a little bit of shame around this because they're not there yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyone listening, guys. We were there, okay, and this is a very yeah. real thing. And there's, as you can listen to these experiences, there are certain parts that are significant parts in your life that help you cultivate a new level of awareness. And so, without further ado, continue on, good sir. Yeah, right on. No, I love the disclaimer too. Yeah, so for me, I was living like a, a highlight of my formative years was. I always have this dichotomy between the part of me that wanted to better myself and the part of me that was extremely self-destructive and I would pendulate between the two quite powerfully. So I grew up, I grew up playing basketball and, um, you know, was, was, you know, got into martial arts because of how unsafe my neighborhood actually was and how Uh unsafe I felt. And so growing up in New York, in the neighborhood that I grew up in, it was, yeah, I, I, I had the little moments of safety that I felt, you know, in connection with certain people and, and moments, but it was really like, for me, I was very much uh, looking back, kind of just kind of waiting for where the next threat was coming from. And um, when I got into martial arts more and, and, and I started to feel safe again, because I knew I could handle my, handle my business finally, um, I found... You know, I got, I mean, I was selling, selling, selling weed. I was, uh, starting at 13, I was selling weed. Mm, you know, I had the beep, shit, I had a little man. beeper on my, beeper on my waist and weed, you know, little weedy bags, little, little dime bags, <laughs> nickel and dime in it, <laughs> you know, uh, and I had a, I had a really, I had a really unfortunate event, actually. This is a stage where the Bloods and the Crips were very active in New York and kids would just get their face sliced open for no reason. Really? Uh, but I call it Buck 50, yeah. And so I started traveling. I went to high school in Manhattan my freshman year. So in my freshman year, um, I would commute from Staten Island into, into New York City to 23rd Street. And one day my, my knife fell out of my locker when I pulled out my bag and I got ratted on by some kid. And then instead of kicking me out of the school, they, they were like, why are you carrying this knife? This is like this alternative little high school that my parents found for me because I – you know, ADD or whatever you want to call it, you know, whatever yeah. label you want to put on. I was, I was hyper intelligent, hyper creative, but had a hard time with math and yes. um, had a hard time with other things, but excelled in, in, as a genius in other ways. So, wow. um, so I went to this alternative high school for, for people like that. And instead of kicking me out, they were like, okay, you're going to do outward bound in, the, in between semesters. So they sent me on this wilderness, you know, survival course in, in the great lakes and i saw i mean I, it was the first time that i was like 
that I saw that many stars in my life. And uh, the, there was a Northern, Northern Lights. And then I did a 24-hour solo where I was alone in the forest by myself meditating. You know, it was like you know, I was 14, man. you know. And, and, and I had these massive, you know, insights. And then I'm back. And then, then I'm with my, you know, and they're like, you know, back with, with the homies. You know, I get back and I'm you know, <laughs> running, running around like a little maniac again. And I was like, I remember having the revelation of like, all right, I'm going to quit smoking and I'm going to quit, you know, all these things. And then you fall back into it from the conditioning. And so I, I had a series of moments like that throughout my childhood and teenage wow. years into, co- into college. So come to college, uh, university, you know, I joined a fraternity. Um, you know, I was, again, selling, you know, I went from nickel and diming to moving pounds. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, drinking and boozing and pushing my body really hard. So I went from, I went from, you know, playing 10 full court games of basketball, lifting and, you know, eating a shitty cafeteria meal and then, and then going out and drinking and blowing lines and like that, that kind of caught up to me. So my, uh, which I I have a feeling the awakening question is probably next. So I'll just, I'll leave it at that. So like at the height of my, the height of my unconsciousness, I was, you know, um, I had moments of, 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 of experiencing my soul or moments of, of peak glimpses of the nature of reality moments. Okay. But for the most part, I was seeking, I was dealing with codependency, addiction, you know, substance abuse, uh, mm. not knowing how to bring my gifts online. I, you know, I, I was, I was, uh, you know, I got into college as a visual artist, but I had all this you know, gifts as an MC and I, I wasn't pursuing my, mm. my music career at all. I was, I was just kind of, dealing you know coping with all these things you know wrestling with a lot of inner demons you know um so i think that i was i was uh very much a you know yeah like i i would i would have a lot of the categories you would label someone with mental health issues you know i had all i had a a bulk of them during Mm -hmm. during a a, a large majority of of my life like that those those years before my awakening yeah well and so now you sort of like obviously don't carry any knives um, you are much connected to, <laughs> to nature. You yeah. you also have an ability to understand who you are and share what you're gifted at. And so, obviously, there's this huge, like you said, a, a huge difference of the two, oh, I mean, the two people. Man, I can even just hear it in your voice now, talking and imagining like selling weed. You know, the type of language <laughs> you would have been using. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's I cool. mean, I was in that culture. I was in. I was in that world and. Yeah. But I was always, a, you know, I was kind of, even as a kid, I was kind of innately aware of certain societal bullshit. Yeah. Like I was always kind of aware of a lot of the, yeah, racial injustice or impermanence, like this, like a soul felt awareness of impermanence of like being at, being on like a vacation with my parents and in like some kind of boat in Florida or something and being like, just because we're on vacation doesn't mean that we can't all die on this boat suddenly. Yeah. Like what kind of little kid thinks about shit like that? Like those yeah, are the kind of things well, I would man. think about. You know, we're like just <laughs> interesting, eh? Like you're talking, thinking yeah. about like philosophical thoughts and existential thoughts. Yeah. Like it's such a unique yeah. way to think at that age. But imagine what if the kids now, like what they're gonna start. You know, I mean, I don't know if you have kids or, or plan to have children, but like imagine what yeah. they're gonna be, how free they're gonna be in their thoughts because of this understanding yeah. that you have now. Yeah, and and, not, and having done fourteen years of clearing out my ancestral trauma, I'm not and and you know wounding patterns that I learned from my parents. Uh, yeah. They're not going to get that epigenetic trauma, so they're they're actually going to be of like Amen. a new humanity. Amen. Yeah. 
<laughs> That's wicked, bro. Um, so during cool. that period, what like the the unwoke period, what was your biggest vice? Uh, can, I would say cannabis, and um, I have to really really think backwards. Um, yeah, it it was both. It was both cannabis, but then it was also like martial arts and sports were my way out into flow states. Yeah. You know, I would get breaks from my own mind when I was in, on the on the court, when I was in a flow state of sparring, and and, and you know, yeah. I was actually, I was actually on the path of wanting to enter MMA. This is way before MMA was popular. I Holy I was shit, so inspired dude. by, yeah, I was really inspired by Bruce Lee, man. Like Bruce yeah. Lee was my first spiritual teacher. He he woke something up in me that I would say my early stirrings of wokeness were coming from Bruce Lee because of his understanding of the Tao and like self mastery oh, and self discipline. Yeah. And so my dad never really embodied discipline at all. I, yeah. I, I was either my own karma or just the lack of discipline that I, I went into a very rigorous, highly, even in my early stages of awakening when I was practicing yoga, I was like a yogi samurai. Like if mm. I didn't do two hours of asana every day, I like hated myself. Wow. <laughs> it was like a whole process. That's yeah, crazy. so so yeah, at the height of my, you know, days, you know, unconscious period of my life, there was yeah, a lot of a lot of a lot of self-medicating with cannabis and then yeah. a lot of like almost highly rigorous um almost to you know, an unhealthy level of 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 sports and yeah. and discipline, yeah. Yeah, man. Well, what martial arts were you doing? Yeah, actually um so this is pre- it's a pretty trivial. It's a very esoteric martial art called Vada. Okay, Vada from Sanskrit means the slayer to kill with open hands. So this is a very ancient martial art from ancient India, from the northern regions. that's shrouded in a lot of mystery. And so there's only three places you can learn it. It's Staten Island, Florida, and wherever, you, wherever it came from in the Himalayas. And so cool. I basically got jumped when I was 13 by the basketball court that I grew up playing at, like on, on the way back. And it got, yeah, I got hammered pretty hard. And, and then I found, we found out through my church, even though I have a Jewish last name, I was, I was actually raised Roman Catholic by my mom. And so um, there, was a, there was actually a, a cop dude in our, in our church who knew this kind of very esoteric, powerful martial art. And so I started training in that. And then, um, yeah, went super deep into it. Like super, super deep, and uh, when I, I, he, he, he encouraged. He was like, "Go, you know, like after doing it, like when I'm about 17 now or 16 in high school or whatever." And you know, I was like, just study. I started you know, reading all these books and all these other things, and he's like, "Yeah, go ahead, go, 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 learn other places. Don't, don't take it on, but see what other people are doing, so you know how to get to defend against it." So I got into jujitsu and, you know, sunbar and judo. And, and I would go with other friends of mine that I've met through that martial art world. And we kind of go geek out. Well, wow, there's a seminar with this guy that could set paper on fire with his hand in, in Philadelphia. Let's go. Let's go check what? him out. He's into, he's in, he's into jujitsu. Let's go learn some tricks. You're right. And so we go around and kind of shop, you know, like, like some high level people. And I started, you know, looking into Qigong a little bit here and there. It's my oh, first intro to Qigong came in, in New York city from that. And then, uh, you know, started doing the mixed martial arts thing. Like, I loved grappling, you know, even though I, I was, like, my style that I was doing was an all stand-up style. So yeah. it was it was, um, it was about these whipping motions that would hit a marma point or, or you know, a, a, like a vital point on the body and just drop your opponent instantly. It was never, 
never designed. It was designed for skinny Indian people to be able to fight off multiple opponents, basically. Fucking hell, and man. shrouded it in a lot of deep, deep legend. It was kind of like a like a dark wizard martial art, to be honest. Is it and, true that um, you can kill people if you hit them in those mama points? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's. I mean, there's 17 different death blows that I learned from my from my teacher. They're called yeah. death blows. Whoa. You know, it's, 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 hell. It's, that's yeah. awesome. So, what an experience. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I had some interesting karma that I manifested this ancient, ancient dark martial art, <laughs> like jet, like dark, dark Jedi level shit. But I, I think, I think it was missing. It was missing the yoga. It was missing the other half of the healing. So, like, if you go to the southern schools of India, you learn about Kalari, and Kalari has Ayurveda and yoga, and it's in this Gurukul system where you're you're learning you're learning the mama points not only for hurting but also for healing equally. Mm. And so they they don't they don't have these they don't manifest these weird injuries like I did like so, which I'll, I'll talk about what happened. Alrighty, man. So what emotion challenged you most? I've got uh, anxiety, shame, guilt, fear, and anger. Which one of those troubled you? I say anger. Mm. Uh, a lot of men have yeah. anger. Have a lot of anger, right? Yeah, I say anger, and, and honestly, the the I I really grappled with a, a deep fear of abandonment and, and profound loneliness mm. for a period of my life through breakups and through even post awakening was like a really big part of my healing journey was, was resolving that energetic in my nervous system of, of, of abandonment and also engulfment. Like okay. they're two, two sides of the same, same kind of coin. So you did contribute to it to something that happened to you in your past? uh yeah yeah for sure i mean some of these things are interesting because you know depending on your worldview if you go into karma if you go into things like that or childhood you know yeah. you can pretty much you don't need to go like childhood it's all contained there yeah. you know you can link even link that to your past lives mm -hmm. you, you, our parents ha hand our karma to us on a silver platter essentially mm -hmm. yeah bloody <laughs> oath. have you have so. you found uh forgiveness for that aspect or, or have you let that go have you healed that or is it still in there a little bit yeah, I mean, I think there's layers that, that come up, but uh, I, I'd say that it's resolved. Yeah. You know, it's, it's in the space of resolution. Uh, I don't like the word heal, uh, transformed, um, resolved for sure. Um, I still have moments of, I still have moments of engulfment, not so much abandonment anymore. It's more of like, again, freedom and not wanting to feel consumed or trapped by mm. the feminine yeah, than, than it is like that they're going to run away or something yeah yeah i feel you on that brother yeah. i feel you Wh whose love did you crave most growing up and who'd you have to be to get it um that's a powerful question i mean my, my dad my mom my mom has like more of a personality like it was really challenging relationship my mother it's very mm. very very challenging relationship and my dad was i actually had my dad is a cool dude man my dad he's like a Taoist without even knowing he's a Taoist. like he, he eats when he's hungry he sleeps when he's tired he loves you know he's present mm. and he's just a caring dude you know and so he was actually a safe place for me so i definitely sought his uh, him out but my sisters actually is who i tried to get most love from because they were a little unavailable but my mom would be checked out you know in her you know process of board personality mm. you know like super present one moment and like completely disappearing the next i would go to my sisters for feminine nurturing because my mom was so checked out and they would shame me unconsciously. They were young. They were like, you know, they were teenagers when I was a kid. So I, I think I most like sought out their love mm. um, as a result of just like their inconsistency. Mm -hmm. Like there was a nuance in that. 
for yeah. sure and who i had to be who i had to be um to get their love was just uh i think i had to be a good boy whatever that means right yeah. so like i i got into like trying to create a con like try to control my behavior in a certain way yeah that you know would elicit that kind of reward yeah. and later on in life it was dismantling perfectionism Oof. yeah well. was, yeah. yeah yeah man i feel that uh, talk to me about the lowest point in your life luke and and you know wh wherever that might have been was suicide a factor in that in that point you know um that has shown up throughout my journey not to the point where i've ever actually felt like i wanted to do that but the feeling of like wow i like i want to fucking die like i get why people kill themselves you know um and you know i'd say that i experienced experience that you know a lot of people think there's just one dark night of the soul and then you're awakened but there there can be several and so i've had multiple dark nights of the soul where everything that i believed in is ripped for me and i'm having to sit sit in some really uncomfortable feelings and so there, there have been points in different stages of awakening where I've, I've wanted to die for sure. But in terms of lowest point, you know, I, I lost my brother-in-law on 9-11, um, two weeks into my, my freshman year of college. So that actually led to exacerbating that dichotomy I was telling you about between the part of me that's self-destructive and was very much into, into, uh, high performance or self, um, uh, development. Self-development, yeah. So um, that when that happened, it, it turned up the dial on that dichotomy, and so I, I my substance abuse increased, and also my you know self-performance stuff both increased. So I was like doing drinking more, but also going to the gym more. It was like they were both exacerbated from the loss of my brother, who you know from that eleven. And so I'm in this school upstate in upstate New York, away from my family. And there's not a lot of people from New York City that were at my school, so I felt really like alone and depressed like i went to a deep depression that accumulated in my body to the point where um i actually had a full healing crisis my last year of college Shit. and so i went from being a very agile martial artist and athlete to having to walk with a cane pretty much overnight and that was i would say my lowest point was during that time when i was completely depressed because i no longer had a healthy outlet i didn't want to do the drugs anymore either so it was like well fuck i can't play basketball i don't want to keep doing this to myself with the you know, Coke or whatever. Mm. And here I am. And like, I'm just, I have to sit in this like chair right now. I, I'm walking with a cane. I'm 22, like totally, totally huge, huge, uh, low point, like lowest point in my life for sure. But that's what led to the spiritual awakening, which I don't know what is that, one of your questions, which yeah. is the next question. Yeah. So was, well, tell me yeah. about that significant moment for you. Yeah. So during that time when I was at my lowest point, um, I was, you know, I've gone to physical therapists and nature paths and, you know, doctors and like you know, MRIs, the whole thing. And they're like, we don't know what the fuck's wrong with you. You probably need a hip replacement when you're 30 and, you know, all these, all these different things. Mm. And, um, and I'm trying to reconcile that. And I had a moment, which I just, I just call it grace, man. Like grace came in. I had bought myself this cast iron teapot for my birthday with a gift card. Uh, from some store that and I was like, it's like TJ Maxx or something ridiculous. I'm like, what the heck is this doing in here? I want this, you know. <laughs> and I was I was just sitting down and I was drinking tea from this cast iron teapot, 
And I dropped into what I call the, the living stillness of the universe for the first time sitting. And it was like 20 times more powerful than any flow state I had ever found through movement. It was like the, they all paled in comparison. And I, and I sat in that energy for some timeless amount of time. And in that, in that experience, I woke up a memory of being a Taoist hermit in a past life. And I came back with this extreme fire for awakening. Like I was like, oh, my God, like, this is what I've been looking for my whole life. This feeling is it. This is it. This is it. This is it. I'm, de- I'm dedicating my life to this feeling. And that was, that's, when it, that's when it happened. Fuck. And is that the, is, 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 have you started studying the Tao after that? Um, my life led me to yoga as the first stage of development. So I got yeah. I, in that period of time. You know, I'm, I'm like the vice president of my fraternity. I'm like, you know, walking with a cane. I just had this massive awakening experience. I get gifted a copy of Autobiography of the Yogi. And oh, I go through dude. another series of like full transmission, full remembrance, full like, oh my God, this Whoa. is truth. Just from reading, just from reading it. Yeah. Like just, oh, it was like the next sequence. And in that, it was all in the same week. And I remember I committed to my soul and I could see where my soul had been with me my whole back backdrop of my life you know mushrooms when i'm 16 mm. solo on outward bound in the, in the, okay. in the nature making love to this this woman like it was like it all merged with boom, me boom, in boom, that boom, moment boom. yeah all and, and like once my soul merged with me i knew i knew i had to make changes it was like okay and and i uh i stopped eating meat smoking pot drinking alcohol doing drugs and watching tv all in the same week after finishing autobiography yogi and my, my fraternity thought i was fucking nuts and can, like can I basically it. started to, yeah, they were like, what the heck? Yeah. So that was, yeah, that was, uh, Dude, man, first <laughs> yeah. of all, I love Paramahansa Yogananda. It's, yeah. it's funny when you talk about the mushroom thing and like everything just goes boom, like everything, you yeah. sort of see all the synchronicities in your life. I had, yeah. I have, I've had, I've had the exact same experience, but with Paramahansa Yogananda was just like, I don't know why, but I didn't get autobot. I didn't, I haven't read the book that you've read, the autobiography of a yogi, but uh, my grandfather, who I grew up with, gifted my mum, Where is the Light by Paramahansa Yogananda. And it ended up in my collection. Uh, When he passed away, it ended up in my collection for years. And I just kept looking at it on my shelf, and I'm just like, who is this guy? Because, you know, when you look at his photo, you're just like, what the fuck? And then, like... He has been like a huge. We watched his. We listened to his. I mean, we watched his uh, documentary Awaken, and mm. uh, yeah, just like little things like that. They just are there, subtle clues in your life of like leading you down a path of higher purpose, and it's really cool because I totally resonate with that man. And and I think for people awesome. listening is that they will eventually get to a point where they'll start noticing that there's these synchronicities in their life. Totally. Right? Yeah. And, and I, I yeah. think it's hindsight where you realize you'll have a moment where you yeah. just go boom, boom, boom. And that can say mm-hmm. challenges in your past. You might not have any purpose in that moment, but they will eventually sure. if you give it time. Yeah. Right. Just, just like I thought I was, I was being cursed for having my physicality and agility taken mm-hmm. away. And it's like, Ooh. You know, a year and a half when I when I actually traveled to India, I graduated college. Oh wow! And waited tables, and I went right to India. I was like, I'm not, I'm not going into a nine to five world. I was so ignited in my 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 seeker, mm. and I remember being in India, and I met this Vedic astrologer who knew where all my tattoos were on my body, with where they were. I was like, I had long sleeve shirts and pants, like like a full yogi kind of outfit on. He's like, show me the one on your on your ankle. Show me the one on your back. And I'm like, how the fuck does he know that I have tattoos here? 
and he's and, and he's giving me this full judgment. He said, "Yes, if you were to cultivate power in this lifetime for hurting others, you would be humbled through your body." And, I'm like, and I get chills, and I'm like, "Well, that's what happened." And he's like, "You, everything you must do must be in service to God. All of your power, everything must be given back to God." And it was like he gave me this full transmission of like why I had my healing crisis and where I'm going. And it was like, I just remember just like crying and just sitting by the Ganga after that and just being like, just kind of accepting the, the truth of those words and the, and like the, the direction I was going. Cause it was very early on. Uh, and this, this is now the year 2007 at this point. Wow, you know, man. Just, Fucking yeah. hell. I got full goosebumps just then. That's crazy. <laughs> so good. Yeah. So, so yeah. yoga was a big part of your healing journey. What else did you use? to really sort of come back into yourself and to, and to find more self-awareness. Yeah. I mean, it started with yoga and Ayurveda and I was like die hard, like reading script. I'm like, Oh, they're, they're, they're doing this in that region. And in Tibet, they're doing this. That's, there's something to that movie. And I just started, I became like full Gyana Hatha Yogi, you know, and wow. Gyana is like, when you read scripture, you read books and you, you sift through it looking for truth and then you meditate on it and you get re- realization. So I would just study, all these different esoteric yogic systems and practice it. And I found this, this, uh, my first, my first guru was, uh, actually a white Tibetan Tantra teacher. who was like a full, like really esoteric dude. He would like take me to all these places in Staten Island where like, I didn't know there were like net- wild nettles growing and like dragonflies like this big. And like, I'm like where I grew up and I like these like secret little portals into nature reserves and teach me like, like personalized pranayamas and asanas and, so I was having all these, like, kind of being, I, I, I'd say from that point I had my awakening, I, I started to walk through the many lineages that my soul had walked through the soul throughout my lifetimes. Mm. And so it started with yoga and Ayurveda, and then I wanted to drink ayahuasca because I wanted to work with plants differently mm-hmm. as, a, as an herbalist. So I started studying Ayurveda school and, and learning Ayurvedic herbs, but I was like, I don't want to just prescribe herbs like Western doctors. I want to really know the science. And mm. and I went through a I went through a breakup with a girl that I actually dated before my awakening and after my awakening. It was like we were like kind of helping each other get out of mainstream consciousness at the same time. We went from doing shots at the local bar to like making quinoa within our wow. relationship. It was really a gift wow. in my life. That's beautiful, yeah. And <laughs> right, like I had a little companion in that <laughs> awakening. And then um I went through a mat, like breaking up with her was where I was like really starting to enter the inner child work and like cleaning up my subconscious. Yeah. codependency and all the all the fuckery that comes from childhood and so mm. i met i actually met my bioenergetics mentor at the ashram that i was living at after india in upstate new york and he he was like a g like trauma specialist there's a whole mystery school of working with the nervous system and so you know i started apprentice with him mm. go to costa rica during my breakup read 2012 find out about ayahuasca i'm like that's for me i'm reading osho finding out ayahuasca and then I get pulled, eventually get pulled to an Osho community where they drink ayahuasca and have my first introduction to the medicine. And that was my, like, there's something woke up when I was in the sweat lodge, something woke up when I was on the medicine, something woke up when I ate the peyote Mm, and I got catapulted onto a path of working with the indigenous healing systems. And so that was, you know, like led to like an eight year period of apprenticing with different shamans and, and learning the songs and the, the protocols and still mentoring with my bioenergetics therapist and then starting to study Qigong with a, like a master Sifu in New York. So I, I've always been a multi-lineage 
person and and I would do whatever I could to heal myself because my body was still, mind you, I went through that crippling experience and my body was still healing during this time. Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't 100% able to run again right away. Like I was gradually, gradually healing myself. So I would be open and trying to be all right, let's try Reiki, whatever. Oh, this is cool. I'm going to add this to the report. I'm going to go through a Reiki attunement until I get to master level within like two years, you know, and then, oh, cool, EFT. I'm going to incorporate like, EMDR, like just learning different tools and seeing which ones resonated with me, which ones didn't. And eventually looking back, I could see where, where I was honing in on like fundamentals, like, okay, here's a fundamental. This is what it feels like when you enter the subconscious in trance. This is what it feels like when you're accessing trauma in the body. This is what it feels like when blah, 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 blah. And you get oriented into different muscles. If you haven't exercised the, the muscle of your emotional body your whole life and all of a sudden you're being taught how to work with your emotional body. It's, it's a unique experience. And then you, you exercise that muscle and then boom. So like I kind of look at the spiritual journey or the, the path of personal development in this regard of apprenticeships or the shamanic journey, whatever you want to call it, whatever label you want to give it, your healing journey, your hero's journey, mm. you're going to get tools along the way. You're going to meet the wizard at the crossroads and he's going to give you a stab. <laughs> so you can go another fucking 10 miles and then you meet some <laughs> other guy and he's got, you know, you just got to kind of follow mm, the breadcrumbs yeah. you know, until until the, they start to make sense. You know, Fuck, so, that's beautiful, brother. Yeah. That's a beautiful journey, man. Yeah. It, talk to me about your friend group. We've got a couple questions left. Talk to me about your friend group, bro. Mm. How did that change? Obviously, you've gone from a fraternity to Ubud. Um, <laughs> <laughs> such a contrast. I love human beings, man. Yeah, I love human beings right now. You know, honestly, a lot of people in the spiritual community just kind of annoy me these days. Fuck dude, honest, I feel you unless, on that. unless, oh, unless they've done certain in, inner work, like I, I, I fuck with a lot more entrepreneurs, honestly, yeah. because they're grounded. They're in the world. They're, they want to develop themselves. They don't need to know what chakras are to be a loving human being trying to change the world. Yeah. You know, a lot of people in the spiritual community haven't done certain shadow work, so they're just they've just built a yeah. really beautiful spiritual ego. They have yeah. a very strong spiritual ego. I have friends that are super mystical, and, and those are like my closest allies are more integrated souls. They have, they have a bridge, but I, I love humans, man. Yeah. I love all humans. I have my friends that are still, you know, people would call quote unquote muggles or quote unquote sheeple. I'm like, that's my homie. Like <laughs> whatever. Muggles. Like muggles. Yeah, yeah. That's so good. Yeah. 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 Not nice. Right. Mm. Uh, so like, I don't really prescribe to some of those things. And, mm. and, uh, my closest mates, my closest mates are definitely entrepreneurs yeah. who have devoted themselves to a spiritual path. Yeah, and nice. so they have the groundedness and they have the, they're integrated. They're a lot more in the world, yes. but they have that connection. And, 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 you know, um, like I said, I've, I'm, I mean, I got people on the front lines right now that are activists that are mm. in the, you know, indigenous communities and communities of color, philanthropists. Like I, I, I like I'm a, I've always been a universalist. I've always yeah, been man. a bridge. Even when I was, you know, in my uh, unconscious days, like everybody smoked weed. So I'd be in the ghetto and the projects with the homies and I'd be up in the hills and the mansions with the guidos. And then I'd be over there with the rockers kicking the hacky sack around. And then I'd be over with the, like with the theater majors geeking out on some, like whatever. Like I, yeah. I was cool with everybody. That's how I've so always cool. been. That's how I always ever be, man. Yeah. Cause I just love hum- I just love human beings. You know? Do you, do you feel like you've always got something to learn from each group you go into? Oh, always, man. We got something to learn from the bum on the street if we're willing to Fuck listen yeah. to the feedback of the universe. Yeah, there right? we go. Back to that feedback. Yeah, so like the so in the Piscean era, the guru, Guruji, Guru was the one that's keeping the, the light lit for you to see your own divinity. Mm-hmm. And you go and you sit at the foot of the guru. I think the energy of the guru is transformed 
in our in our day and age. But if we if we've had that moment in our life where we're, we've devoted ourselves to a higher power, or we've seen someone who's a keeper of ancient lineage and has has gifts for you to help awaken more of yourself and you cross a threshold then you know oh wait the guru is everyone and everywhere yeah yeah okay and, and you accept the guru the great teacher is coming from everywhere right so, so you talk about Pisceian age just a just a quick note for people listening when did that finish and and what are we in now <clears throat> we are entering the aquarian age right now and how are they we're different? in it we're in the uh, the Piscean Age was about leaving the world, leaving society, going to have mystical experiences in the cave. It's the guru disciple. Yeah. It's the renunciate path. It's the it's the rigid, disciplined renunciate path. And the Aquarian Age is about community. Yeah. It's like the Buddha. The Buddha is the community. The, the the Sangha and the Buddha are the same now. And so it's about coming, bringing all the tools that you learn from that those lifetimes of, of renunciation and coming back into the world. Uh, for other people, it's you know some people that are very spiritually connected. They're in the top-down approach. They're coming. They're coming from being very transpersonal, very connected to the spiritual realms, and they're learning how to come into their body and be in relationship with other people and the world and society. Other people that have been really in society, in the world, in the money, are starting to are are, are bottom up. They're like, you know, doing doing a medicine journey for the first time, or they gone to their first transformation festival, they did their first yoga class, and they're on an upward journey to back to spirit. They came from more of a dense identification, and we're meeting each other at the heart. So the Aquarian Age is the sharing of, of all those things, of the exchange between hearts yeah. to, to help quicken the awakening process for the collective. That's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. And what part of this journey are you most grateful for, bro? Just the human beings I meet on the journey, like these characters. You know, I, I have a movie's worth of material, and some of the characters I met are just... So some of the beautiful souls that, that I get to call friends and allies yeah. and elders and mentors are just so, so it's all about. Grateful for life, eh? Yeah, for connection, man, for, for, the, for the intimate connections in my life. Yeah. yeah. Lovely, brother. And what's, this is the last question. What's one tip that you'd give your old self who's just starting this journey? Take your time. Take your time. Take your time. There's nowhere to get to. Mm, fully enjoy. take it in yeah enjoy each moment <laughs> well speaking of enjoy yeah. brother i've enjoyed this episode and oh we just finished at one 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 uh, look at that nice uh, <laughs> man i absolutely appreciate your time and for you sharing your yeah. story and for being here today to make this uh project possible so thank you very much brother yeah thank you and it's an honor to be here with everybody listening thank you man Aloha. Thank you very much to everyone listening and we'll see you on the next episode. Take care. Peace. Woke man, bring love and just be. I got love in my eyes, bro, I can't see. I'm gonna be who I'm destined to be. Wokeness is taking my old self away. Yeah, I put love into me. I'm spreading that love. Yo, don't you see? Grab your cacao and drink it with me. Cause wokeness is taking my old self away. Woke man, wokey woke man. Woke man, wokey woke man, woke man, wokey woke man, bring love and just be. Woke man, wokey woke man, woke man, wokey woke man, woke man, wokey woke man, bring love and just be.